The following episode contains just a bit of explicit language. It's not like it's not like a math problem where you're like, okay, now once you know what the right answer is, you're going to do it right next time. Because even sometimes when you know you should be listening better, I shouldn't be like jumping in with like your ideas or whatever. Um, you still do it, right? So it just takes a ton of of practice and. And I don't know how you would know if you're good at it. Hey, y'all. I'm Chase Clemens. This is the Support Ops Hangout. This is the show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, this week, uh, Chase Livingston and Carol or Carol, Carolyn are both out. I guess we're just shortening it to Carol now, whenever Carol, she gets back. <laughs> oh, but we have the uh, ever-awesome Jeff Vincent from Wistia, who is uh, enjoying some chips and guac. Apparently, I did not get invited to wherever Chase and Carolyn, Carol are hanging out. <laughs> That's all right. We didn't either. Um, and then guest, filling the guest spot on uh, this week's episode, Scott Tran from Support Driven. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Welcome to the show. This is, uh, we were joking earlier, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes. Yes, years. Instantly <laughs> my favorite episode of all time. <laughs> so for uh, those like three or four people out there that don't know you, can you uh, just give a little background on you and Support Driven? Sure. Uh, I organize Support Driven, and it's an online community for people who do support. And that's... Yep. There you go. That's like the, the actual tagline on the, uh, the website, too. People yep. that do support. Yep. None of that like fancy names around here. We're just doing support. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's about the people, right? It's not about fancy exactly. names. See, this is why we love Support Driven, and why if you haven't joined yet, you should supportdriven dot com. That'll uh, take you to the sign up and all that. All right. This week we are uh, continuing the series, basically uh, around answering this question of uh, regardless of regardless of seniority, every good manager will blink, and we're filling in the, uh, the episode on each blink. So this week, um, the blink that we're filling in is uh, every good manager will listen. So regardless of seniority, however long you've been around, and all that jazz, um, every good manager will listen. So Scott, we're gonna, we'll give you the first take on this one. Why? Why is it so vitally important that managers actually listen to uh, to their team? Because uh, so, so one one thing that I think of when it comes to managers is that you're you know or one of the ways that I guess managers should be judged is in what their team does, right? Like you know, um, and I think as a manager, right? Like you have to listen because how else will you know like what's going on or what struggles people are having or where the opportunities are if you're not, you're not listening. If, and I think if anything, I would say listening may be the most important thing that managers can do. Yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier about how, um, like the support industry right now has this fascination with numbers, right? And, and even though we say, Hey, we don't really care about, you know, how many um, customers the, the support rep is, is replying to, how long their handle time is, how long their first response time is. Like, we don't really care about it. We kind of like, especially new managers do, because it gives us kind of like baseline, um, as, as icky as, as it is. Um, and they oftentimes miss the forest for the trees, right? So they're looking at the numbers instead of actually listening to what that, um, that team member is trying to tell them. Um, so I... You know, how, if you're, if you're, especially if you're a new manager, um, Scott, how do you, how do you get better 
at, at listening to, to the rest of your team? You know, how do you um, kind of push aside, you know, well, this person is only talking to like 30 customers a day and actually listen to what they've got to say. Well, I mean, I think this is um, very timely, right? Because I am trying to figure this out <laughs> and, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, um, and we had a great conversation about this uh, in, in the Slack a couple of days ago where it started out with somebody and was looking to pull some numbers out of their help desk system because they were trying to figure out if people, if a certain person was working on the weekend, right? As much as they say it, as they said they were, right? And they wanted to get data to kind of like make the case of like, we, you know, because they didn't think that that person was, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that came out of the conversation was why not have, you know, why, why not talk to that person and figure out like what's happening on the weekend and like, you know, um, you know, and if they're not kind of meeting expectations, if, if they're, if you don't feel like they're not being truthful with you, right. Why not have a conversation kind of like straightforwardly about that rather than kind of getting all this data and like putting out. So I think, um, I would suggest like start with listening, you know, and, and go from there. What a novel concept, right? Like have a conversation. It's just crazy. Jeff, when it, uh, with, with Wistia, you know, you've been uh, in charge of different teams before and now you're, you know, moving into that product role and everything else. Um, how, wh- what's some things that you would tell other managers about um, the, the importance of, of listening to the rest of your team? I think that's where all the good stuff comes from. Um, oh, well, that's it. Done. Like, let's just put a wrap on the episode. We're good. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of feel that way. Uh, if it was just me making up ideas, I can always tell when it's just me and I've been in my head for too long because <laughs> all the ideas kind of suck. It's always the best when I can put stuff out there. I guess I think of it, uh, I, I tend to think of it more as um, more as peers, managing peers, um, that like, yes, I may have responsibilities that are different than this other person. And one of them is to make sure that they have great success and that they grow. But if the person on the other side of the table isn't also giving me fe- feedback and helping me grow, then, you know, we don't have, we have a dysfunctional relationship. So I think it's, you know, you could expand the, this week's statement to all great teammates will, will listen, um, including managers. So to Scott's point, uh, you know, I guess it's easy to imagine a situation in which you aren't listening and now you need to get caught up, but really you should be start. If you start by listening and you start by just having real two way conversations, then you're not going to be stuck in a position where this stuff comes up and surprises you. Um, I, I, I also think to go on a further tangent, um, an additional, uh, corollary I would add to this is all good teammates will ask good questions Um, because I find that part of listening uh, is often, especially if it's a new teammate, someone you don't know as well, uh, is is finding the ways to start the conversation that brings them out of their shell and gets them talking about what's really going on. And so asking great questions of the people on your team is such a good way um, to, to get at what their real motivations are, what they're really struggling with, the stuff that you're then uh, just so drawn in, you can't help but listen. 
Yeah, Claire over at uh, Know Your Company had a great article uh, about this where um, she's talking about, you know, so often we, we kind of, when we get to the end of the meeting, whether it's a one-on-one or a board meeting or anything like that, we, we kind of default into this like question of what feedback does everyone have for me? And a lot of times that just doesn't really do anything, right? It doesn't really get you good answers from that. So she uh, was talking about, instead of asking about feedback, she just, uh, she said, use the question, what advice does anyone have for me? And that one change there from feedback to advice really unlocks all sorts of this honest answers that, that can, can, can start flowing through there. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned that, you know, if you're not getting that kind of honest advice from the other side, it can be a little rough. So um, what other ways are you kind of teasing that out from, from uh, your team members, your peers that aren't just kind of as forthcoming as like you or I would be if we were sitting there. <laughs> well, you certainly want to get your teammates to a place where they feel like they can be forthcoming and that can take some time. Um, but I, I find that my, my natural approach is whenever I feel like I'm being put in a situation where I'm being elevated for some reason, especially around my teammates, to actively deflect um, expertise or praise or whatever it is, because I'm already in a good position. Like I'm already, because of my title or whatever, people are already asking me for my advice. It's my teammate that um, if he or she feels like they're in a, they're in a power dynamic that isn't even, uh, you know, give feedback at your own peril. Um, So I, I try to, I try to set set the the role you know the roles as peers as much as possible while maintaining the okay but my responsibility is to get you air cover for this. I want you to take on some more risk with this project go bigger than you are. It will be my job to make sure you get the resources, the budget, the time and that if people are asking what the hell's going on they can come to me and they can yell at me. But it doesn't have to be in the situation of, well, I, you don't have to say things like, well, I'm the leader, so that's my job. Um, uh, and I feel like after you do that, the conversation tends to, uh, maybe I'm just lucky, but it tends to go to a place pretty quickly where, peop- where people will come in and say, I just got to tell you, I'm really struggling with, with this thing. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like you might be at the root of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which sucks to hear, but that's exactly what you're going for, right? So yeah, sometimes yeah. When, when you have, like, say, somebody that just joined your team or is new to the company, right? Like, there's no history there, right? They don't, you know, they don't really know you. You don't really know them. How do you get to that place where you can have those, that level of conversations, right? Because when you just first meet, like, they're not likely to tell you, like, this is really bothering me or, like, I think this is, like, awful, right? yeah. So we, I think, uh, as usual, there's like a million and one things. One is like we try to hire people who look like they're comfortable doing that. So we look for that in the interview process that someone might be like, by the way, you know, we'll ask feedback on our product, feedback on our interview process, feedback on the inter- like the interview itself. Like, did I ask good questions? Did I listen? And the people who are the best are the ones who can frame that feedback in a positive, constructive way. Um, so that's one. Two, uh, when they come in establishing it, these are what this is what my responsibility is. My responsibility is not, though, to be right all the time, to tell you what to do, to be the one that gets all the praise or whatever. Like you just set up those responsibilities. Um, 
And one of those is I need to know what's going on and you have to tell me when something's going wrong. So that part kind of gets stretched out. That can take a while. People have to come out of their shell a little bit. Um, and something that we do at Wistia, not really on purpose, but I think it's just evolved this way, is we spend a lot of time or we try to find opportunities to spend a lot of time in places where we're really peers. So, you know, we, we just went on a ski trip a few weeks ago. And the ski trip isn't organized in such a way where you get there and it's like, okay, now like all the leaders are going to do this thing and we're going to have these like conversations about the business and, and, you know, the leaders are all going to stay in one bunk room together and everybody else. No, no, no. Everybody's just mashed in together doing all kinds of fun stuff uh, as a group, as just peers. And uh, I always find after that, that people are much more comfortable they see you as your real self. They're much more comfortable just coming up and being like, I got to tell you, that meeting that you ran did not go well. I get that feedback <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the leaders there is the real key, right? You've got to model that. <clears throat> and um, one of the ways that I've, that um, our CEO, Basecamp, you know, Jason ha- has done a really great job is um, when there are these conversations going on around product decisions and design decisions and all that, he never really steps in and says, you know, um, here's what I'm thinking. Like, which when the CEO steps in and says, here's what I'm thinking, it can kind of mean like we're doing it this way, whether everybody likes it or not. Um, so instead of doing that, he's, you know, um, he's real good about stepping in and asking questions, right? Like why, what happened with this? Like, why are we going here? What, what would happen if this happened? Um, and with those questions, it just, it, prompts that conversation to continue, which lets them listen more and, and bring in more and, and things like that. Um, if your leadership models that really well, then I think it has like this trickle down effect where it can encourage other people to, because I mean, like, let's be honest, like walking into any of our companies, like it can be a little, an overwhelming sense of imposter syndrome the first couple of weeks, right? It's like, who am I to question the great Jason Freed just because I happen to like work for him? Um, thankfully Jason was really great about like uh, in the first couple of weeks, um, helping to model this kind of stuff to the point where it's like, Oh yeah, like it's, it's no big deal. You're just having another conversation with somebody else who happens to be your boss, but more importantly is like on the same team as you and wants the product to get better for everyone else. Uh, automatic does this Livingston would, would be sit here saying that, um, um, Matt does a real great job with the town halls, right? Like that's how, um, he shows that he and his leadership team are listening. They do the town halls and answer all these questions, just whatever people want to ask. Um, so that, that modeling from, from, you know, the C-suite, but also from your team leads, that's really, really important uh, when it comes to this stuff. I, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with the modeling. Something that we do on the way in. So during your onboarding process is we do, uh, a company goals and values overview. We do a product overview. We do a technical services overview. I'm sure there's a marketing overview. There's overviews on overviews. And I, I run the product one. Um, and something that has always been important to me is to frame it as we don't have it figured out. Like, here's where we are now. Here's what our product strategy looks like for the rest of the year. We don't have this figured out. And actually, so in the last one, we had three salespeople going through the uh, onboarding process. And like a key point for me was we actually need the feedback that you all are going to generate from talking to customers, using the product yourself, comparing it to past experiences. Like we hired you because you're great and you can tell us this stuff. And if you don't frame it as we hired you because you're great and said, it's more like we hired you because we needed to fill this role. We were too bored to do it. 
you know, or we didn't like doing this role, so we hired you to do it instead, then the person really does feel like, okay, they're not listening. Like if I give feedback, they're not going to listen. They're, I'm just supposed to do it the way they would do it. And instead, you re- I, I really feel like the businesses that are going to win are going to hire people who are better than the current leadership. The current people who are doing it aren't good. That's why they need you. <laughs> and so frame it that way. And, and when you come into it, when Jason comes into a room and says, hey, like, I think we should do it this way, there should be somebody in the room who's like, you know, I've done it that way before. That doesn't work. Here's why it won't work. Here's why we're going to do it the other way. I mean, going back to book club when we read um, Turn the Ship Around, right? He issues a command and there's somebody on the deck who's like, hey, by the way, like that's, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. You're going to run us aground. Um, and you've got to, you have to listen first, I feel like, before somebody can get in the position to tell you that you're an idiot. So Scott, before you just get through this episode by just listening, um, I want to pick your brain a little bit here. Like how, like listening is a skill, right? Just like everything else, you can, you can learn how to listen better and, and um, comprehend better and all that. So um, what's a couple of ways that you found effective at, at becoming better with listening to the rest of your team? Um, practice, you know, like, um, and, and really just diving in without preparation, right? Just just go in and, and do it and you'll make mistakes and you'll hopefully make new mistakes next time. Um, and it's and, and it's really hard to learn because I think it's not like it's not like a math problem where you're like, okay, now once you know the, what the right answer is, you're gonna do it right next time. Cause even sometimes when you know you should be listening better or you shouldn't be like jumping in with like your ideas or whatever, um, you still did it. Right. So it just takes a ton of, of practice. And, and I, I don't know how you would know if you're good at it. So, I mean, that's, so that's a question for the two of you. Like, how do you know that you're, you're good at it or like, or if you, if you have room to improve? There's a secret gate or grading scale, right? So like <laughs> you answer some questions and it plots you on a matrix. So I think, um, so Natalie, one of our, our team leads here at, at Basecamp has been really great about, um, kind of talking about how to get better at listening and understanding and comprehending and, and um, everything that kind of goes with that. And uh, there was one was an article she shared, or maybe it was a check-in she had posted or something like that. But she, anyway, she talked about um, if you find yourself talking the most in the group or in that meeting or situation, or whatever, like that's a clear sign you're not listening enough. Uh, you can go back to that. I'm sure y'all's grandmas had the same saying, but it's, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you listen double the amount that you talk. Um, I, I think that's a good rule of thumb. You know, uh, if you're finding yourself monopolizing whatever situation you're in, just shut up for a minute. And it feels weird sometimes, uh, you know, these conversations, they'll like, it'll have like almost this dangling feeling where you want to jump in. And it's okay to give that moment a little bit of space and kind of let it linger for a minute because it'll encourage somebody else to jump in because same reason, they don't want that space there. Um, so if you're in a room and, and you find yourself like monopolizing the conversation, just stop and, and let there be like these moments of, of pause where other people like have a, the opportunity a game to do of chicken to see who's going to talk first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's listening chicken. That's all it is. I like, I like that one a lot. I do that one. Um, a lot that just wait and let the other person jump in. Um, the other one for me, because I, I actually, uh, uh, you probably already know this about me, but I'm not huge on the don't say anything 
Like I just, I can't, if I have an opinion about it, that's how, you know, they, they talk about um, running backs. You got to give them the ball early in the game, even if they're going nowhere. If I'm not, if I don't get the ball early in the game, I will get bored. I will like stop listening. Um, and so I, I take that to heart and I try to participate a lot in almost everything that I do. Um, uh, if I'm not a hundred percent in, then I just shouldn't be there. But I do try to, um, the, the scary thing about not listening is Chase could say something and pose a question to the group. I could let it hang for one second and then act like I'm going to answer it and go in a different direction. And suddenly the conversation turns and Chase's question is left unanswered. So something that I certainly try to do is repeat what the previous person said and address that. Um, and I may add something on like, I think we should talk about that, but I also want to make sure that we talk about this other thing. But the most frustrating thing to me is when someone's just saying, yep, yep, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, and they're not really listening. And so they couldn't state back what you just said. They're just ready to go take it in their direction. Um, I don't think it's that they need to shut up and be quiet, although Chase is probably right. Like, I could do, I could certainly be doing more of that. But it is... I just said something to you, especially if that thing is soul bearing in any way or like exposing, right. But somebody says, I'm really struggling in my role. Like I really wish I could grow in this way. And you're like, you know, I really hope that they have tater tots at lunch. Like you're just (laughs) participating, you're going in a different direction. Um, Or you're saying, yep, yep. I hear you. Yep. Yeah. You're struggling. Got it. But instead you're really coming back with that active listening. I think that's pretty critical. I, I think that's called waiting to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Got it. Uh-huh. Got it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, one of the things too, I, I've picked up from some of the jobs to be done interviews I've helped out with is this, this, um, so I mean, with those types of interviews, you have like, it can get boring at certain points. Um, and because the length, I mean, you're talking like 60 minutes for this conversation, it can kind of be tough to, to focus in on them all. Um, so one of the things that, that I've picked up on is that whenever the customer gets to like this kind of pause, it's, it's great to take what you've heard and repeat it back to them, but like mess up a fact or two, right? Just a little bit. And the customer will actually come back to you and be like, oh no, like you missed this. Like, this is what I was talking about and give you more detail. Um, so it's one of those where it, it kind of feels like a little weird because it's like, oh, I don't want to like, I don't want them to think I'm dumb or something like that. But it's actually really effective when you're listening to somebody to just repeat it back a little bit, you know, recap what you heard, get one thing wrong, get two things wrong, something like that, just a little to prompt them to come back in and clarify and make sh- and kind of really give you the, the meat and the details of what they were talking about. That is some next level shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. I like that. Uh-huh. Got it. Uh-huh. That yeah. is inc- that. I wasn't listening to a word of that, but that sounded incredible. <laughs> See, Jeff, what I heard you say was, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it's so interesting. So I've seen, you know, Ryan um, at, at Basecamp does these. It's fantastic at these interviews. Been doing it for like six years. Um, and it's little things like that that you just kind of when you hear it, you realize how powerful it is. But if you hadn't seen somebody do that before, you would have like I would have never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It almost sounds disrespectful, but yet I bet it really works. Um, You know, something else I wanted to bring up on this, and maybe you were going to get here with a question, Chase, but I feel like I'll just jump in. I'll just fill the space real quick, um, because I I heard you let it linger for like a quarter of a second. 
is um, as a manager, uh, for me, I have to create the my mental headspace to listen to them. Um, and, and something that's critical about that is uh, I schedule my one-on-ones with my team with 15 minutes on either side um, of buffer. A lot of other meetings, I'm fine going back to back um, because it's, it's normally not critical that I'm there <laughs> uh, or it feels that way. Um, but with one-on-ones, one, it's critical for me to be there, but two, it's critical for me to be in the right headspace. And so I really, really try to spend just a couple of minutes like in transit or in commute loading up like, okay, I'm going to talk to this person. What was the latest with them? What's going on with them? What are the things I really need to bring up to them? If I'm lucky, I will have prepared notes. But even if I'm not, those 15 minutes are critical. And then the 15 minutes on the back end mean that the next time I can check in and say like, hey, you were hoping to improve on this. How did it go this week? Which I just think, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, it's all about that ongoing conversation that kind of draws people out. See, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things I, I'm curious about and uh, to hear about is like, how do you, how do you have those difficult conversations and how do you get those to a place where you're getting like real answers from them? <laughs> So you can't have those conversations until you've had all the the ones that you need leading up to that. What sounds like some just Jedi mind shit or, or whatever. Damn it. I'm going to have to put one of those explicit tags on this one. Um, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you, so you build a little credibility with each conversation that you have with a team member. Um, so, you know, you've got a conversation now that isn't really tough. It's just like, Hey, how's your day going? Like, you know, just, just general chit chat water cooler type stuff. And when you really listen on that conversation, like that person, like it, you, you kind of like stock away into the credibility tank and you get to fill that tank up to the point where like Jeff was mentioned earlier, like you have, you can have a space for these honest, raw conversations, even if they are difficult. Um, even if they are, you know, conversations where a new hire isn't really doing as well as they should be at a certain time. So you've got to have that difficult conversation with them. Um, I think that's the key thing. Like once you nail like the basics and and kind of like show that you're trustworthy and and that you actually listen in those kind of conversations, you, like I said, you stock away that credibility uh, tank and and can use that when you get to those other tougher conversations. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think that the additional, an additional thing for me is unless the uh, issue is urgent, like this person, so so immediate feedback, right? That's a critical component. And I think we covered that in a previous episode. Every manager should give feedback. And you want to be able to, you want to make it immediate and direct. But then for those things that kind of build on themselves for a while, I don't think that those should be treated as urgent feedback. Like, hey, I need to dump all this on you at once. So I recently had a pretty tough conversation with somebody on my team where it was clear they were stuck between two roles. They were drawn to two roles and they couldn't balance them. That's not a thing that you could do. And so I, I started raising that in like December and we didn't make a final decision on it until mid January, like plenty of time to think about it, come back, ask a couple of questions, go away, come back, think about it. I 
I just think it can feel urgent in the mo- in the moment, but when you're talking about someone's career, a few weeks or a month is like no time whatsoever. You might as well spend that extra time as opposed to rushing it and, and kind of dumping it on someone's plate. And they're like, I am shocked that this is happening right now. So, so Jeff, you mentioned kind of like letting, you know, taking time with it and like, and, and talking to them about it. Right. But was that first conversation in December kind of like the, Hey, I think you're kind of going in two directions here. You're going to need to pick one. Um, like, I, I guess like how, serious was that you know kind of initial thing right or was it just kind of like hey like i'm not sure this is working out and then you kind of like ramp up or do you just kind of like tell them like i don't think this is going to work but we're going to kind of yeah that's a great question i so i became aware of it much earlier than then december um and i what i looked for was this person was working on a project that was still running in like december and they asked the question of like why do you think this is happening like, why am I struggling on this? And uh, to their credit, they asked that question. And my feedback was like, this is my observation is that we're, you're split across two things. You're struggling with your teammates because they don't see you fulfilling your role. You're, you're part of the bargain. They see you're spreading that across too many things. And uh, these are the two things I think you're splitting it across. It's clear you enjoy both of them, but you cannot make a, a job that has both of these. And they thought about that for a minute and they were like, yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Like I'm going to have to think more about that. And I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it as I'm, as I'm running my mouth, um, another thing that happened was I read a blog post that was like great one-on-one question ideas for managers. And I loaded a bunch up and, you know, one came up like randomly that was, if you know you inherited like fifty million dollars, what would you do? And I asked this person that question. I asked everybody on my team that question, but I asked this person that question, and their response had nothing to do with their role. Like as they kind of fleshed it out, it was not what they're doing today. And so you kind of start to put those pieces together, and you're like, it's bet it's so much better when you're drawing on things that they said, as mm-hmm. opposed to when you're kind of putting words in their mouth. When you say oh, it seems like you really like this, is, is much worse than when you say, we talked about what you really like to do a few weeks ago and you, and you really noted that you love to do this. That doesn't seem to line up with your current role, you know, as an example. Um, or, or maybe there's somebody who's not doing their work or not showing up on time. It's like, you ask, you know, I asked you to lay out your perfect day. None of it had anything to do with getting up and getting stuff done. Like maybe that's just not the role for you. Maybe you should go somewhere where that's not the requirement, or maybe you're not, you know, uh, inspired by the work you're doing. Like you find those things that let the person say it themselves. And then you kind of build on that for those tough conversations. That's, I, I don't know. I'm sure I'll be wrong about that the next time I go through it, but that's my experience. That, that, that is some next level stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Last thoughts, anything else either of you want to throw in? Oh man, so much. This one is such a good one. But I don't want to listen to myself talk. I mean, I guess that's technically listening. A little bit. A little bit. All right, cool. So that's our take on this one. Uh, Scott, thanks again for uh, being on the episode. That was awesome. Great for having you. Thank you for having me.
Yeah. So uh, for our listeners, let us know what you think. Let us know how you uh, handle all the, the listening that goes on uh, that you have to do in your, both for your team. Like I know we, we emphasize team members a lot in this one, but we do a lot of it with customers too. It's kind of the same kind of stuff and uh, sometimes even a little bit trickier with customers, but let us know what you think on this one. Hello at supportops.co is the email. We're at supportops on Twitter. Thanks again for listening. And until we see you again, have an awesome week.